Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening and welcome to Wayne's World. Sorry, Nick's newsletter uh, for the... Uh, what are we, the 13th or 14th of April uh, 2021. Uh, my name's Chris Scarrett. I'm here filling in for the usual main host, uh, Connor Clements, and I've got my uh, good friend Dan Moskovitz here with me. Good and uh, Paul Bain's lurking in the background. Thanks, Dan. Good to see you. Bit of an exciting yeah. game on the week. Uh, really looking forward to discussing that with you and a couple of other little topics as well. As always. So, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, uh, a game against the uh, Snakes FC, sorry, Western United. 3-2 win, uh, very, very sort of edge-of-your-seat sort of stuff and, and and very pleasing in the end, though. What were your thoughts about the game? Well, um, I feel like this was the first of uh, multiple games that we've had. Uh, I think I brought this up last week, but we just keep having these goddamn games where the edge of the seat think, maybe we're going to pull the cat out, out of the hat, maybe we're going to win. And it finally happened. And um, without further ado, we've got a man to thank and presenting this week's God Amongst Men, um, my boy Ben Wayne. Um, but yeah, that goal at the end was really lovely. And thank you, Paul. God, I love this. Ones, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love how this has become a thing on the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we we definitely looked quite good throughout. Um, uh, obviously, uh, there were. Obviously, Western had demos, but I, I, I left feeling pretty satisfied with how he played. Like, Tim Payne's giving away the penalty was like, eh. But, well, it was a clear penalty, wasn't it? I, I saw yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. being a bit Definitely. soft, but not for that. Like, that's, that's Stonewall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, I, like, what I was thinking was that it was a mistake from Payne, but after the blitz, the blistering, is that a word? Uh, performances <laughs> that he's had. Over the past few weeks, I feel like he's earned our mistake, and it didn't cost us anything. Then Davila was great. Soteria got a goal, and it was beautiful to see the two young guns and Sutton and Wayne uh, combine to score that final goal. And I feel like there was some good passing going around in, in the front third. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, it's not something I'm feeling often this season. And I mean, with the amount of goals Wayne's starting to get this season, you, you'd think he might lose that stunned look on his face when he scores, but no, it was it was there for everyone to see again. And what a sight. What a sight. 
Yeah. So, I mean, going back to the sort of the start of the game, obviously, as, as we've just discussed, we gave away the the relatively early penalty. Um, I can't remember what minute it was in, but um, but, but that was the opener. Um, good finish from Borussia as usual. And I believe, um, the, as Fox Sports commentators mentioned, um, this was the first, I think this might have been the first time that uh, Borussia lost against us in the game that he scored. So, I am... Always happy to see Borussia unhappy. Yeah, I mean, I also heard 15 goals in 23 games against us, so he really is a fall on our side, but as you say, good to good to get one over him. And it's a sort of, I don't know about you, with the way the season's been going, I sort of had that sinking feeling starting to set in, but we were playing some good football. Um, started to, to, to sort of exert ourselves a bit more, and then eventually we have a, a handball shout um, in the box with Andrew Durante, uh, our, our former hero, uh, leaping up and... Not given the first one. Hit his arm and close to his body. What did you think of that call? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I think the first call was utterly justified in that uh, that, that was never a penalty. That just hundred percent. Like the ball's come up and he's just jumped. He's kept his arms completely like close to his body, uh, like like I'm doing now. If you're in the if you're in the podcast, I have my arms like in a normal position. If you'd be jumping, um, and the ball just hit his arm. But then the second one was bloody hilarious because that was absolutely unnatural extension of him just uh, touching the ball with his hand. Um, it, is, and- it, it is just another one, though, where we're getting this, this sort of ambiguity in the rules really highlighted for us because, yes, it's an unnatural position, and, and I agree it is a penalty, but he's got the shout here that it's come off as midriff. Um, now, I heard the commentators saying in, in the slow-mo replay that they didn't think they could see it come off as midriff, but to me it clearly did. What do you think? Does that affect it or does it not? I I personally didn't see it come off some drift, so uh, it feels weird to say, but I'm starting with Fox here. Um, so, but like, either way, he's he has his hand out like well away from his body, and yeah. I mean, even even getting away the nitty gritty of what uh, a penalty even is today, I think. I think regardless of those rules, I'd, I'd be entirely supportive of, the, of that being a penalty because he does have it well away and well extended. And I think it's utterly fair for the Phoenix to be given a penalty. Thanks Same for bringing up, up his body, you might say, eh? Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for bringing up the, the, our, our, the fact that we didn't have a good start, by the way, because I entirely forgot about that part, banished it from my hand. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, it was not a good start. Um, and I think I mentioned to my mum and dad, Oh God! Or it's going to be one of these games, and uh, the Phoenix love love to prove me wrong, and most of the time uh, it's in uh, me being too optimistic, and I was lovely to be surprised the other way. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, I'm struggling to remember. I'm struggling to remember what the order of the goals was next. I can't remember whether it was. I think it was the Western United um, goal to put them two one up, or, was, or did we go two one up? Regardless, um, there was uh, another was, goal from Western. Uh, we came from behind twice. Right, well, there we go. That's a good thing as well. Um, so their, their second goal from memory uh, was the, oh, yes, that's right, Durante put it onto the crossbar, fell back down to, to their man, whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce, who reacted quickly and she <laughs> bundled it across the line with his head. David Ball, who, um, just to take a moment to talk about his performance, um, once again, just tireless, running everywhere, uh, creating chances, just, just doing everything you'd like to see from a midfielder, but he's a forward. What did you think of his performance? I know. Yeah, I, I, 
I think that second goal uh, summed up what quintessentially what David Ball is because the ball never touched the actual net itself. It just went over the line and David Ball made a superhuman leap to try and knock it out of there. And God, it's nice to have a player like that on the team. He will, yeah. he uh, lives, breathes, and bleeds Wellington Phoenix. And it's beautiful to see. And he's had a good, yeah, he, uh, another solid performance. He's as good to know as a red card, which was such a stupid red card, which he got early in the season, hasn't affected him as much. Um, but yeah, another solid one from uh, Paulie. It was the other way around. It was the other way around. So it was um, Soterio's goal there to put us 2-1 up by the looks of it, uh, scoring in the 53rd minute. Never mind, we've both got terrible memories on that front, but we remember the goal, uh, Davia picking the ball up and and, uh, having a crack from range. Looked like he had managed to to nab one for himself, but instead it was really good reactions from Soterio to to redirect it past the keeper. Um, For me, the keeper had that covered if he didn't get that touch on it. So uh, fantastic reactions by Soterio and um, good to see him sort of get some reward. Um, after all the sort of slagging he he's gotten from um, some members of the of the support, what did you think of his performance on the whole? Soterio. Soterio. Um, I know. I mean, again, this is where I have to do this with a preface that I am absolutely the worst person to ask in terms of tactical analysis. I didn't notice him a whole lot throughout the game. And again, it might be me just not being good at tactical analysis, but he did give him the score sheet. He was in the right position there and needed the right reaction. So, I mean, that's pretty good for me. But as for the rest of the game, I really can't comment because I wasn't yeah. noticing him a whole lot. And maybe and, and maybe that, that speaks to itself and maybe that speaks to uh, my lack of tactical uh, nows. I don't, I don't think it's that. I, my sort of watching the game, I didn't really see too much from him. But what what sort of stands out from that is it was a, maybe a quiet, but but quiet performance. But he did what he needed to do when when the opportunity came, um, and didn't do anything that made me go, "Oh no, um, what's he done there?" So um, that, that's encouraging. Um, and then yes, of course, is, like a... yeah. Well, exactly. You got to be clinical. Um, something that. He has been criticised, perhaps fairly, on that front. I think he does a lot of hard work for the team. I think he um, his pace is a real weapon, especially when he comes off the bench. Um, but I think one thing you probably can criticise is his finishing at times and his decision-making when he gets into that final third. Um, a few too many times I've seen him sort of run through with um, with, with passing options. And not being, I don't want to sort of get stuck into him at all. Um, I think it was a, a, a good, if quiet, performance from him. Um, did what he needed to do. Uh, so then, uh, as we've just discussed, we had the, the equaliser from Ika Guarazina. <laughs> Probably not even right there. Um, bundling it across the line. Ball tried to clear it off. Um, for me, the angle, I, I couldn't really tell whether it was across the line or not, but I'll, I'll go with the the, um, the referee's decision there. I, th- I think he probably got that right. Do you know if they have the, the watchers in the A-League anymore? Or do they the solely watchers. rely on VAR? No, they used to, I, I thought they used to have the watchers that, that vibrate when the, the ball crosses the line, but maybe I'm wrong. Anyway. I presumably it might not, have been before it, my time. Might not have even been the A League. Um, so anyway, no, it's a, it's a goal. I think that's entirely right. Um, and then the, the game sort of moves on, becomes quite end to end from memory. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of attacking chances for both teams. Certainly for me, we started to exert ourselves a bit more, um, control the match a bit more, and, and really the chances were flowing. Um, we get to sort of the eighty fifth minute. I think it is, and uh, and Ben Wayne is uh, 
found by by one of his teammates and manages to miss a very very presentable chance. Yeah, should he put that one away? Yes, right. Like, <laughs> Pretty sure. That. <laughs> like, full credit to him because ultimately he scored, and that completely invalidates any semblance of his miss early mattering. But in an ideal world, he would have put that away. But I don't. I, I don't I don't care. He he did what he needed to do eventually, even if it took him two times. Yeah, and I, th- I think it was really quite an impressive performance from him. He's certainly been growing into the team over over recent weeks and, and throughout the season. Really, um, some of his hold up play has been quite good. He's he's not just uh, sort of running onto the ball or just you know getting and having shot. He's he's picking out his teammates, letting the team build up and, and get everyone into to good positions. So really encouraging from him, um, a young talent who I think is going to go really far. Uh, whether it's with us or, or whether it's elsewhere, hopefully with us for a while. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what a finish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been lovely to see. Um, but the finish, yeah, I mean, what's not to love when you see the two youngsters you have in your team link up, especially when it's Ham Sutton's first start at left back, which is probably something we should discuss. But, yeah. Absolutely. The, cro- the cross well, comes in. Wayne gets a header ahead to it, and uh, my living room explodes with chip joy, and it's beautiful to see. Cause, again, I, I don't think mm. like last minute winners are something you save from football, but last minute winners by your youngsters that have grown up, who not only live, breathe, and bleed Wellington Phoenix, but have grown up live, living, breathing, and bleeding Wellington Phoenix. I don't think I don't think it gets more special than that. Well, you know what well, makes well, it even more special? Is when it's against Western yeah. United. Good point. <laughs> Take that, I mean, Dan. And yeah, Joanna. I mean, uh, oh, yeah, I've, got, I've got a bit of time for Dura, but, uh, but Rudin, no. Yeah, very, very satisfying. Um, some, some drama going on at their club by the looks of it as well. I see um, see old Max Burgess has, has gone walkabouts. Um, I don't know if you know anything about yeah. that. It's... Uh, Apparently abandoned his contract and headed off to, to Sydney. Um, talk of them wanting compensation if he signs for anyone else, but um, we'll see if anything comes of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, certainly very satisfying to get that late winner. And um, as you say, Sam Sutton, um, great ball in, and he was picked out very well by Davila, who I thought had a, a pretty good game as well. Um, yeah. But as you say, Sam Sutton starting ahead of McGarry, obviously it's paid off, but um, why do we think that's happened? I don't know, like, McGarry's defensive play has left something to be desired, but I don't think he's been all that bad. Like, in fact, I would call him one of the season standouts, and I don't know, like, the, the, the main thing which which comes, which I can, like, think of would be maybe at a really bad day in training or something, because he has been offensively fantastic, and offensively he's yeah. been all right. So it's a strange decision, but... Maybe Uffie's also, but uh, well, an Uffie we trust, and I don't. This is I, I not was about the first to say maybe he saw something we didn't. Of course, he saw something we didn't, and um, yeah. it paid off. It's, it's not the first time this season that we've had a discussion like this. I think there might have even been a previous one involving McGarry, but um, certainly Ollie Sale. Uh, those are the ones that leap to mind. We, we've seen Uffie make these decisions that you sort of go, "Well, why has he done that?" and then it pays off. Um, so, I mean, I guess that Which brings is, us on to it. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I mean, but yeah, like, it's good to see that he's willing to experiment when we're in 
tenth place, no ninth place. Um, that's that's what you want in a coach, really. Yeah, and I guess it brings us on to the point of there is a lot of talk going on at the moment. Uh, we know of his contract is, uh, is it, I believe, at the end of the season coming up. Um, and there is talk of other clubs coming in for him, and there's the usual sort of um, lack of, of committed response from, from either party as to, to what's going to happen going forward. I know um, certainly you, you wouldn't really expect uh, someone who's negotiating a uh, new contract to, to come out and say publicly, this is, you know, I'm staying. There goes their, their bargaining power. But is it getting a little bit concerning? Yeah. It's, I think, I think Andrew Vorman uh, summed it up best in that we should hope for yes, but prepare for no, because it's a fuck-tally. I mean, Wellington have pretty clearly wanted to uh, re-sign him forever. And the fact that he still hasn't indicates some things about it might be that Ulfi is a young, ambitious coach and he wants to move up in the world and go to Sydney or the victory. And if that's the case, I think that's the price we pay in choosing someone who's young, Australian and ambitious. Like you get the great sort of finding an unknown gym, you get the downside of no one is going to, unfortunately, no one is going to come to Wellington Phoenix looking to do an Alex Ferguson. Um, but maybe, maybe it's not external forces, maybe it's internal forces. And if it is internal forces, like you'd really hope management will do whatever it takes to keep Uffy to stay, to, yeah. Uffie, to make Uffy stay. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I guess um, the other thing to, to factor in is, well, we're um, still in a bit of an uncertain situation globally and, and, and even locally. I know we've got the trans-Tasman bubble about to open up, but um, you, you do wonder if that sort of plays on the mind of some, some Australian members of staff and Australian players and the like, yeah, because obviously we've got a lot of players who are, are still yet to, to sign up to new contracts. Mm. I mean, but Maybe. if he... Hey, Paul? Well, I just thought it'd be a good time now to bring in Michael's question... Uh, that he's recorded for us uh, coming into this. So um, let's uh, let's just bring in uh, uh, Michael's question uh, as part of this. Sounds good. Uh, the next last, I think, an important question is that of the next last tally, how much credibility do they actually have as a football club when they can't hold on to their coaches for more than two years? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question from, from Mike. To me, I don't think it, it speaks to our credibility. I think it speaks to our circumstances. Um, we are a club competing in a league for a different country. Um, we are a club that, um, you know, doesn't... We've got really good owners who are continuing to finance us, but we are in a, or I would have thought, a pretty precarious financial position. All it would take for them to de- is for them to decide that they couldn't keep funding it. I mean, we're, we're a loss-making club, as I understand it. Um, you know, if, if you're getting a new coach and you're signing them up to a contract that's longer than two years, you're really taking a risk on, on it paying off. Um, if, if you've gotten it wrong and the coach that you signed is, is, is no good, you're either stuck with them or you're going to end up paying them out to, to get rid of them. Uh, most likely, obviously, not party to the, the discussions that have happened around settling those sorts of things, but it's... Um, yeah, it's certainly a big risk. Um, could we do it? Possibly. Um, but I, I think the fact that um, uh, 
you know, he's at least going to see his contract out. Done a lot better than Rudin. Rudin, I um, think, is a unique situation. Uh, I think we made a good decision by not fighting that too much, um, but then that's said with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it, it ruins our credibility as a club. Uh, what do you two think? Um, it doesn't look good if no one's staying for two years. And I think ultimately that's more that that's that's what matters more here is in credibility. Um, because again, like I, I think it plays into what I mentioned before, both Buffy and Rudan were young, ambitious Australian coaches. And obviously with the Phoenix being a small club in a relatively small league, we aren't going to be able to keep young, ambitious, good coaches for long. Um that says, like, you, 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 you would hope that he stays more than two, if he stays more than two years, but he's, he has uh, seen his contract out, and I think that is the most we can expect of him. Mm. It, the, the only way it ruins our credibility if a new coach comes in and finds that the reason why there has been, why Uffi and Rudan didn't, didn't sign contract extensions is because, it, as it turned out, uh, management hasn't been uh, giving them enough support or resources mm. or something. And, of course, th within that is the fact that uh, we're not a rich club in a pandemic, which has got mm. us so bad that we're literally playing on the other side of the Tasman. Mm. So I think the chances, un unless management, which I don't think they are, because Wellnick seem pretty good are like supremely uh, screwing the coaches over behind the scenes. I don't think it affects our credibility, but it doesn't look good. And I think that's what's key. Well, I, I guess I would argue that, uh, that how you look is, is your credibility. So if it doesn't yeah. look good in some ways, that is your credibility. So, um, yeah. But um, Simon does, Simon says then worst case scenario, who should be the next Phoenix coach? Yeah, good question, isn't it? Do you promote from within or do you uh, do you go out shopping? I think you have to go out shopping. Um, how far afield do you go shopping is, is the big question to me. Um, yeah, do you bring back Des? I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Des Buckingham's the, the only name that's really leaping to mind for me, but I I don't have an answer to that one, and I'm hoping we don't have to answer it. If I'm honest, <laughs> anybody doing any anybody done anything in the sort of New Zealand Premiership um, as, a, as a coach that might want to? The only, the only coach is uh, the only coach that usually gets talked about um, is uh, gosh I'm going to draw a blank on his name the Spanish fella from um, uh, Ramon. Yeah, oh, yeah. How do you pronounce his last name? I don't think I've ever seen it happen. I'm not going to try, um, but but Ramon he he's um, he I believe he still doesn't have the the license he needs to to actually be the the first team coach for the Phoenix. That's the last I heard on that. Um, Tri triple ticks or something like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he would be a shout, I would have thought, if he had the, the qualifications in his, but again, I, I don't think he does still. So, um, Danny, Danny, hey, uh, hope not. I mean, also, he's also, I, I, th I think uh, managing your national team is a pretty sweet gig. I, I, I don't see any reason why Danny Hay would give that up to come manage the Phoenix. 
there might be an institution from here from Simon that we go back to the the days of uh, Ricky Herbert as uh, dual dual uh, New Zealand and, and Wellington Phoenix coach and do the same thing with Danny. Um, I don't like the idea of a coach who has split loyalties in terms of what his focus is. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I want to see someone who's who's there to focus on the Phoenix and have someone else there who's there to focus on the All Whites. Um, you know, on the one hand, if you've got a, an all-whites coach running the Phoenix, then he's going to, I don't know, let's say you've got a, an important game coming up for the all-whites and, a, and a, a league match coming up for the Phoenix. Does he rest some key all-whites players? I doubt that would ever happen, but um, that, that's one sort of uh, factor. And then on the other hand, um, you know, you, you're the all-whites coach, so you're wanting to just play mainly New Zealand players. So, you know, you might bypass some of the good Australian talent that, um, that would perhaps be better in some cases in some positions than, than some of our local talent. So I, I don't know. I think the, the, the tensions there just aren't worth it. Yeah. As for me, um, I'm quite keen to see Chris Greenacre be given a go, maybe with or without or without Dears Buckingham. I would love to see Dears return, but I'm okay with um, just solely Greeny, just because I feel like, I mean, <laughs> he's been through Herbert, he was a player manager after Harper left. He he was assistant under Ernie's, and he then he managed with Dears. Then he was a reserves manager, uh, the interim manager again, and as assistant manager under both Rudan and Talley. I mean, you would hope that under all of that, like I, I've talked a lot about living, breathing, and bleeding Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like Chris Greenacre is perhaps the epitome of that, and. I would hope, like, having been through so much, he would have gleaned experience and would understand Wellington inside out, hopefully more than anyone else. Don't know, I, that, that that doesn't necessarily make him a good coach, but I feel like it makes him a good shout. And I feel like after so long of sitting on the sidelines, um, I, 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 I feel like he... Feel like he's earned his go. That's it. If we went for another young Australian coach, like uh, the names which spring to mind for me are Arthur Papas, John Hutchinson, John. I'm just going to call him John A. He has a very, very long uh, na- name, and I am speaking words, so I'm not going to try and pronounce it. But uh, he's also uh, reportedly quite good, and so all, all three of those have made names of themselves within. Uh, Australian spheres as potential A-League coaches, and if it's worked twice, no reason well, not to go for it again. Yeah, I mean, Greenacre is not a bad shout. Um, I, I guess it's just the case of, of throwing someone in who hasn't really done it before. Someone's got to give him that first chance. Why not us? He, he has been incredibly loyal to us. Have noticed he seems to be taking a bit more of a back seat um, in his assistant role this time around than, than, than he has previously, and I, I don't know what's going on there, um, but Personally, yeah, I think he's, he's he's shown incredible loyalty to the club. He's he's been a great servant. Um, I'm sure I'd be sure he's a, he's a good coach. I, I well, I'm sure it's probably too strong, but um, I, I would expect he probably is. He's got, certainly got a lot of experience in the game. Uh, it would suck if. Oh, sorry, sorry, Chris, I cut you off. No, it's alright. I was just going to say, having played at, at, at quite a good level of, of the game as well as um, his time that he's been coaching so far. So, oh, just that. Uh, um... It would, it would suck if, like, another A-League team uh, gave Chris Greenick his first chance or if, like, he eventually felt like he had to move abroad because I feel like surely that loyalty uh, and just 
commitment deserves some in product. Mm. Potentially, if you can do the job. As, as someone who's stepped in and been interim a couple of times, uh, I guess the other question is, is that something he wants to do? Or is he happy being a reserve youth coach? Or does he prefer working with those type of players than he does actually with necessarily trying to be the big boss um, and with all the media attention and other pieces that go with it that aren't actually coaching football? He's also on. Um, Simon Elliott is another name that Simon um, in the live chat's thrown in there. I haven't followed his coaching career. It's uh, been a while since I've thought about Simon Elliott. Um, last time was probably the uh, 2020. Sorry, 2010 World Cup. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't comment on that personally. Yeah, I'm also not qualified to comment on that. My apologies, Simon. I might, if, if I have the time of this week, I, I, I might try and do, do, do some reading and research and watching and maybe come back to you next week. And uh, if I don't, well, then I am just an unprofessional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll obviously have to cut, cut your wages um, if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, shout out! Drop, uh, drop New Zealand Sports Radio some dollars on Patreon so uh, Paul can give me money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, the uh, the link is in the uh, scrolling banner um, at the bottom there. Uh, but yeah, that's You're uh, welcome, Paul. That's my. Uh, that, that, I guess that that that's uh, as we've covered off on the, the manager stuff. As uh, a good, good chat, and um, one one other thing, I just sort of wanted to to mention. Um, I know we're we're sort of planning on on talking about. Um, perhaps something about the, the Central Coast Mariners and the situation going on there. But before we move on to it, um, recent development over the weekend, the Wellington Phoenix um, under-15 women's, sorry, girls uh, team had their first game. Um, good to see some some sort of development happening in the women's sphere for the Phoenix. I know they've been pushing really hard to, to get a W League team going, um, which I think we've discussed previously, and um, I won't let my frustration frustrations out about how that's gone. Um, but but certainly really encouraging to see that from a from a Phoenix perspective. Um, certainly, I know there's a bit of angst perhaps around the, the Wellington scene about how that's happened and um, you know the way the way that that, that opportunity runs alongside club um, ventures. But um, certainly from a, a Phoenix perspective, really good to see that happening. Yeah, fantastic. I don't have a lot to add, but just give women equal opportunity. Absolutely. Well, um, as, as I mentioned, um, Central Coast Mariners, um, some interesting talk going on the last couple of days about them. Um, the main one that's that sort of sparked it all off is this talk of a, a Manchester United um, buyout and uh, potential relocation to Sydney. I've got a very strong view on this, but uh, I suspect Dan does too. So what do you think? My reaction to this oy vey, like... As a Wellington Phoenix supporter, I understand pain, and I understand sustained periods of pain. And if my club, uh, Wellington, if we were at the top of the table, having the best season we've ever had, after so much sustained pain, and then all of a sudden, some far-off club with... (laughs) Thank you, Simon. uh, some far-off club with uh, exactly no connections to the area wanted to relocate us. I'd be furious. Yeah. Like, I don't have any problem with United owning the Mariners. Like, that'd be good investment and probably would result in a higher quality for the Mariners and the league. But why would you go to Sydney? Yeah. Like, this, 
the idea of, of moving Zamzir genuinely makes me angry because that would be so disrespectful for the fans who have stuck through the hard times in Gosford. Not, and, and, and that's not without mentioning the saturation of the Sydney market. You already mm. have three teams there. And one of them is brand new. We, we do, you, don't, you don't want to be adding a fourth immediately. And I mean, if you are, why not? Why not a complete new team? Exactly. I mean, the, the Mariners have proven that there's a market in Gosford. What's if you just 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 create a new team? There's there's no logic other than big wealthy people from overseas wanting slightly more money to move into Mariners of Sydney in my eyes. They'll, they'll be looking at the crowd numbers. Um, similar sort of problem to what we've had over the years. Um, Central Coast uh, not getting good numbers at the games. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean, they've got a beautiful stadium. They've got um, some amazing um, massive source bottles. Um, Sydney has three teams, as you say, already. I, I just, yeah, I, I can't see it. And, of course, there's, a, there's talk of another consortium also being in um, for them. I've only just seen this recently myself, but um, I believe it's the, the, the consortium that wanted to start a new Gold Coast-based franchise um, in 2018. Apparently, they're in more advanced talks than Manchester United are, and they're talking about moving them to Gold Coast. So there's two lots that are saying, we, yeah, we're interested, but we're going to um, say bye-bye fan base. And um, to me, that, that is something that is quite concerning as a Wellington fan. Uh, you know, I, I just would hate to see the precedent that that sets when we think about the Wellington Phoenix and, and you know, we're in Wollongong at the moment and thank you so much to Wollongong for, for having us. Uh, but I'd hate to, to, to have them sort of saying, well, if uh, Central Coast can, can go to... To Sydney or the Gold Coast, why can't the Phoenix be relocated to uh, to Wollongong or Canberra or Tasmania? Uh, and there was even talk of that like a couple of years ago uh, mm. when the Phoenix went to dire straits after the Dahlia disaster of 2017-18. Uh, mm. But like, yeah. I think... It's, sorry? It's, it's not for me. I, I think it's just disrespectful to, to people that have, have put a lot of time and, and money and, and just dedication into supporting a team to, to living and breathing it as, as we've, we've had said a few times in this this episode and to then just um, rip it away from them and send it elsewhere uh, look i can understand a, a club financially struggling and and you know maybe at the end of the day that ends up with a collapse and that that's horrible but at least that's not a deliberate act uh, that is um yeah uh, upsetting if it happens i think what it ultimately comes down to for me is that football fundamentally has to be about focused on and for the fans. This is none of this. It's just giving them a giant middle finger. I really hope this doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got to say on that, I think, as well. Um, you know, in terms of the game, really, really happy with how that went. Um, excited. Just, just always glad to see that the, the snakes um, lose to us. Um, but uh, yes, sorry, Simon. Um, we just had a comment from Simon pop up. So the graveyard of Australian sports, the Gold Coast. It certainly seems the way. I do understand Gold Coast United still exists, just no longer in the A League. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's again another factor in, in saying, well, why would you do that? Um, Perfect glory next week. Do you want to talk about that quickly? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I mean. Ultimately, uh, what's really wonderful about this game is that uh, 
we are in ninth. Perfgori in tenth. We're playing a game against someone who's below us. Emily yeah. is by goal difference, and they have a game in hand. I don't <laughs> care. Um, we we are above them, and I'll take it. But uh, like I, I swear, every week Connor and I and Skaz talk about must wins, and unfortunately, I'm going to repeat that here because at this stage where, where we're using the word mathematically as we're describing stuff, every game is a must win. But especially against a team below you that's equal with you on points. Yeah, I mean, and, you got to win. Yeah, and um, Perth. I don't know. Traditionally, um, quite a, quite a tough game, uh, but you know, certainly the, the opportunity seems to be there at the moment to to really take it to them. And um, if we can can play like we know the team can, uh, then you so. certainly feel confident. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, let, let's let, let's see what happens there. Yeah, but like Paul, if you'll bring up the if you can bring up the table quickly, you look at the games each team has played. We've played sixteen. Perth have played fifteen. In eighth and seventh, there's uh, Brisbane and Western on fourteen have played fourteen mm-hmm. games each, and both of them are on twenty points. Yeah, it it, it just doesn't get more must win than this. No, right. It's, I, I, I do think this, uh, th- 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 this could be, I think every game from now on could be where our season lives or dies. But ideally, I would like it to live. So let's be perfect, please. And uh, I, I think, I, sorry, apologies, I was not able to uh, be part of the, the, the episode last week. Um, I suspect we already talked about the, the returning two games into New Zealand, but um I, you know, we'd certainly be hoping that we're going into those um, with something still on the line. Uh, if we yeah. get, a, get a crowd back here at, at uh, Sky Stadium, we really want something that's going to get 30,000 people there, which is, well, maybe that's a pipe dream. But, uh, you know, the, the great days of the Phoenix were those days when we, we had sort of 20,000, 30,000 there for, for, for big games. And, uh, you know, if, if, we're, if we're close to finals or if we uh, are even better make it to the finals, could we do it again? I hope so. Yeah, and, and that, that's just an excellent point. It would be great to play in front of uh, the fans in Wellington and in Auckland uh, mm. in a game which means something. Now, I, I, given I wasn't here last week, I didn't really get to express my opinion on uh, on that talk. I think financially it makes sense, um, but um, does not take into the account how disgruntled some fans will be if that game goes to Auckland. Um, will that affect the, the numbers in the fan base and who turns up the Sky Stadium for other games? I don't know. Potentially could. But uh, let, let, let's hope not and uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that maybe we do get both games in Wellington. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Anyway, um, any closing thoughts from you, Dan? Ben Wayne is a god amongst men. I think we're all on the Wayne train and it's, it's Wayne's world and we're just living in it. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's the Hoff again. Um well, anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me today, Dan and uh, Paul, who's who's looking around in the background still somewhere. Good, good speaking with you both and, and talking about our beloved Phoenix. Um, really looking forward to hopefully a, a good win this week, weekend against Perth. Uh, but for the moment, I've been Chris Scarrett, Dan's been Dan Moskowitz, and uh, Paul's been Paul Baines. And uh, this has been the next newsletter. Cheers. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.